2 Corinthians chapter 4. I just love to see that picture. It just makes me happy. That's my happy place. <laughs> um, a lot of these verses should be pretty familiar, right? So we did cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And then last week we did the, the priestly blessing, right? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace, okay? Today's another really familiar passage and one I preached on many times. So some of the themes you're going to know, but again, just like a, a good movie or a good story or a good song that you listen to over and over, let this passage hit you again and let it encourage you again. It was really encouraging to me uh, this weekend as what I needed. And I wanted to hopefully pray that it would encourage you as well. So we're going to start with a little lengthy paragraph here. We're going to verses 7 through 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And the message today, the, the theme that I want to take away today is that I am a jar of clay, but I have the power and the treasure of God in my heart. And I want that to encourage me, encourage you. Verse 7, the Bible says, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or made known in our body. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life uh, also of Jesus might manifest in our mortal flesh, so that death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Amen. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All right. So there's probably 20 sermons in here, and I'm putting them into one thing. So bear with the preacher this morning, but I'll try to move along fairly quickly. You ever been tired? Todd, you ever been tired? <laughs> if you didn't know, Todd decided he would, he decided to cook some barbecue about 4 a.m. on Saturday morning. That'll make you tired, right? It's been a long week for the preacher. I'm in my younger days, it's been nothing, but I'm a little older and like, I drove down here quite a bit this last week. I was like, man, here goes another trip, you know? And then yesterday was such a, it was a good tire. Don't you like a good tire? There's a good tire feeling. Yesterday was a really good tire. 
But after that was done, uh, I just want to share this with you. This is for me, there's places where the Lord shows up and there probably is for you too. And I want to encourage you where those places are that you need to visit them as frequently as you can. And for me, the Lord shows up whenever I'm with ICF. I can't explain it. I know they probably think it's just the weirdest thing that this white guy is wanting to be in an Indian culture group. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, preacher? We love you, but. But whenever I am with them, every time I'm with them, the Lord speaks to me. And so I just want to be with them because I know the Lord's there. And so you guys may have those same things or wherever those places are. I just want to encourage you that you would frequent those things and let the Lord speak to you and bless you. But sometimes we get tired. I thought this was a pretty good illustration of tired. A photographer was snapping pictures of a first grader at an elementary school. Uh, making small talk to put his subjects at ease. He said, what are you going to be when you grow up? He said to one little girl, tired, she said. <laughs> That's about the truth, isn't it, right? When we grow up, we're going to be tired. Let's look together. And this is the, really the main point that was encouragement to me. And I hope it will be to you today. That's verse seven, jars of clay. King James says, earthen vessels. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What's the treasure today? Do you know Jesus? Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. What's his name? <laughs> Jesus is his name. Again, yesterday, I got so much pleasure out of speaking in a public space, Jesus. He is the treasure, right? And we can get distracted by a lot of other treasure, can't we? Man, Lord, help us. Help me. Let's not forget Jesus is the treasure, and the power that he brings to us is treasure. Through provision, reconciliation, unbelievable forgiveness, we have the treasure. But the treasure, what is the treasure in? This, <laughs> right? This. All-surpassing power of an infinite God puts his treasure in this. That's hard to comprehend, isn't it, right? The greatest, most massive, beautiful, extravagant, excellent, as the King James says, all-surpassing power it's put in us. And what I want to encourage you today is that it's okay to be made of clay. Why is that? Why is it so significant that God demonstrates his treasure in clay? We've seen it over and over. Um, in my Sunday school class today, we had this really interesting lesson where uh, Sisera is the captain of the Canaanite army. And Barak, or Barak, I'm going to say, is the captain of the Israelite army, and Deborah is the judge at the time. And Sisera has this huge advantage. He has 900 chariots, and he thinks he's going to easily conquer and take out Israel. And then the Lord decides he's going to make it rain. Isn't it amazing how the Lord intervenes when he needs to, and we don't have to do, uh, we don't That is really powerful, Right? Uh, Sisera ends up taking off running to save his very life. A, a lady by the name of J.L. says, come to my tent. I want to cover you up. 
Ray said this morning, if any woman ever says, come to my tent, I want to cover you up, you should run like crazy. <laughs> and if you know the story, what did JL do to Sisera, right? She took a tent peg through both temples and attached him to the ground. Whoa, right? This is one of those VeggieTale episodes I don't think we've seen yet, right? <laughs> they, don't, they don't do those things on a kid's level, but that's the scriptures where God shows up. And in that time, again, you have to know the culture of the time, but for God to do what he did that way was an example of his power and his greatness, not of the might of the Israelite army, but it showed the excellency of God. And that's why God puts his treasure in jars of clay. What reminds you of your clayness this morning? What reminds you of your clayness? To be very transparent this morning, for me, some of it is my kids. My expectations for them and where they're at is not where I'd hoped they'd be. And I thought I was in control of that and I could make that happen the way I wanted it to. But I can't. And that reminds me that I am clay. And I got to leave that to the Lord, right? For you this morning, what is it? Maybe it's your health issues. Sometimes our health issues remind us that we can't do everything we want to do, right? Take control, but the Lord is trying to teach us even then. It's his power, not ours. He's the potter. We are the, the clay, right? Again, that, that idea of clayness. It can be mistakes or frustrations. I know none of you make mistakes here, do you? <laughs> but the Lord shows up and reminds us, that were clay. And so today, as a word of encouragement to you, I want to say to some extent, not that I would ever desire that we sin or fail, but when we see our human frailty, it's actually an opportunity for God to shine in his power and his glory. So we can trust him in that. Yes, I am clay. And that's okay. Someday God is going to make this into a resurrected body and it's going to be amazing, right? Where there's no sin, there's no pain, there's no shame. But until that time, he has decided to take his treasure and put it in jars of clay. And that's okay. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. I wish you guys could have heard Brother David share his testimony last night at ICF. I've got lots of friends that are spiritual and love the Lord. But David is one of those people. Like he was, even yesterday, he was telling me about there's a new preacher on Moody Bible Radio, and he's just soaking it in, right? <laughs> David loves the scriptures. He studies the Bible, but he shared last night after losing his mom and losing his sister and almost losing his brother-in-law and all the struggles that are going on so far away from him, but still close to his heart, that he entered a place where he couldn't even read the scripture because he was so depressed and discouraged. And he felt the evil pressing down on him. Clayness, right? And what David reached out to, what he did was I thought was so powerful in his part. He reached out to a friend and said, would you pray for me and with me? And David shared last night about how the prayers of his ICF friends, as well as this special friend that prayed with him, helped him make his way through the hardest thing he'd ever been through in his life. And he learned that even in his clay, God could take the glory. And I was reminded again last night of that, that we are jars of clay. And if you know David, you know this, he so desires God's glory to be displayed in his life. More than kindness or prosperity or health or wealth to be in David's life, he wants God's name to be glorified. That's who he is as a believer. And yet he found himself struggling 
and fighting. And again, that to me is the jar. We have the beautiful treasure, the gospel of God, his love and his power playing out in our lives, but it's in the jar. And the jar cracks and chips, doesn't it, right? You got any jars at home like that? I've got glasses, so many glasses in our cabinet that they've got little pieces missing and dents and cracks and scratches, right? That's the jar of clay. And it's not always pretty. It's not always beautiful. But especially when you think about jars, sometimes you have to, to get the treasure. What do you got to do the jar? Think of even a piggy bank, right? To get the treasure, you used to have to do what? Break the bank, right? Break the bank to get the treasure. And so I want you to hear the Lord. I think he's trying to speak to you today. Some of you, you're going through some hard times and you're really recognizing that this is clay. It's an earthen vessel. But what I want to challenge you is that God, by putting his treasure in that vessel, makes his name great and ultimately will fill you with great joy. He puts the treasure in the jars of clay. You and I, we are not the treasure. And sometimes I think we get that a little confused, right? <laughs> we think we need to have it all together, that we have to be beautiful and powerful and strong and sometimes even perfect. Ever felt that pressure? Hear me this morning, church. Don't come into church thinking you have to put on the face that you've got it all together, right? Anybody here got it all together besides maybe Megan? Anybody else got it all together? Right? We don't. Can I let you in on a secret? Pull the screen behind you here. The preacher by no means has it all together, okay? He fights temptation and struggle and battles and he sins and he falls down, but he tries to get back up with the help of the Lord every day, okay? So don't feel like that by being in this place, you got to put on some mask that I got this worked out or that I'm happy even though inside I am grieving and hurting. If you're grieving and hurting, grieve and hurt. And guess what? There are people here that will put their arm around you and say, yeah, I've been there too, and I'll grieve and hurt with you. And if you're celebrating, celebrate, right? We were talking about poor Ray yesterday. We wanted to see him without his inhibitions doing some Elvis dance moves, right? When we come into this place and something good has happened in your life, whether it's Damon sharing a coloring thing or bragging on our kids that they got into some new program or did something special, let's celebrate together God's goodness in us and among us, okay? That's what church should be, but it should definitely not be a place where people feel like they have to fake things, okay? We have a treasure in jars of clay. So your reminder today is very simply this you are clay now here's the thing though you're clay in whose hands jesus's hands god's hands you are clay you're not the treasure but don't be so troubled that you are clay and watch god work through you despite your imperfections let the treasure shine again the power is god not yours and that's okay isn't that good that encourages me I don't have to make God shine. He doesn't need me to make him shine. <laughs> All I need to do is reflect him. And guess what? He'll shine. The power is God's, not mine. That's okay. So real briefly this morning, let's look at a little bit what that power can do. Going down, if you would, to verse 8 in this next paragraph. You guys have heard this many, many times, but so encouraged. So encouraging this morning. The treasure is that power of God that enables us to press on. Paul, again, you know what he's going through. Look at what he writes in verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Let's break this down just real quick this morning. We are, Paul says, hard-pressed. Ever felt hard-pressed? Well, let's put a modern spin on it. Stressed. It's so crazy to me that today we live in a culture where a first grader says, I'm stressed. But they are because of what we have built and the pressures that we have put on young people. It's insane. We know hard-pressed. Everybody in here knows hard-pressed, right? But what does Paul say to the church there? We are hard-pressed, we're stressed out, but we are not what? Crushed. Yeah, sometimes it feels like the wall's coming in, but it isn't making me go splat because the Lord is holding it together. Again, he's the treasure, I'm the clay. Next thing, we are perplexed. Anybody perplexed here today? (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? I mean, that's a common thing for a lot of us, isn't it, right? I don't get God's plans. I don't understand it. I don't even really know what in the world I'm doing in Indiana. (laughs) But I'm going to obey the Lord, right? Same thing for a lot of you. You may not know what you're doing and why you're here and what, what the Lord's got in store, but trust him. Paul says, we're perplexed. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He says, sometimes I'm confused. I don't always understand his plan, but what else did he say? I am not in despair because I know the one who is making the plans. We're not fighting a losing battle. We know we're on the winning side. Today, Paul says here, and this is something, again, we talked about already this morning, persecuted, persecuted, punished, afflicted for faith. And again, we have family and friends that are facing this even today, our church family around the world. And yet Paul, even in his persecution, what did he say? God will never leave us or forsake us. Right? I am not abandoned. I am not alone. Those believers in Afghanistan today, if their hope is in Christ, they're not alone. The Spirit of God is with them. And I bet you anything, the Lord will make a way for them to communicate and fellowship and he will provide those opportunities. But we need to pray for them and be reminded that we are not abandoned. We are not alone in Jesus. Struck down, literally beaten down, verbally, emotionally, physically. They tried to shut down the Christians in Paul's day, but they were not destroyed because God would not let them be. And God will not let you be destroyed either. Right? Let your hope be in him. And so he says, Paul says, we carry the, the death of Jesus in our body. And to me, this is such a thing that, that we don't get. Um, I.D., who was at our church a couple years ago, I.D. carries in his body the marks of Jesus. You know what that means, literally? I.D. has been beaten because he believes in Jesus. And he has scar tissue on his body because he said he believes in Jesus. Now, we do die to sin, and I think that's part of the message here, but very literally, I think Paul was saying, we carry around in us the death of Jesus because they were what? He was lashed 39 times, three different occasions. He was left for dead, stoned, right? He was shipwrecked. He tried to care for the churches. He suffered, got kicked out of town after town after town. He was struck down but he was not destroyed and he would not be destroyed until God was ready to take him home and I want to encourage you today that same truth if you feel emotionally beat down and worn out or stressed out 
pushed to the limits, if you will reach out to the Lord today, he will hold you up until he is ready to take you. And something else that struck me about this idea was that Paul and his friends and his disciples, or the Lord's disciples that were with him, they were willing to die. Take this, please, please pray about this as I'm saying this, and I want it to be taken the right way. Uh, yesterday in our ICF meeting, uh, Brother Gabriel did a message about Esther. You guys remember the story of Esther, right? Mordecai is pushing on Esther to go to the king and because there's been a law written that all the Jews are going to be exterminated. And Mordecai basically says, Esther, who knows? Maybe God has put you in this place, in the king's palace, for such a time as this. But he also says to her, don't think that because you're hiding in the palace that you're just going to be spared. But if God needs to, he'll raise up someone else to provide for his people. And so Esther prays, and then she tells Mordecai that, that all the people need to fast for three days. Again, that's an incredible support group, right? But Esther says something that really hit me last night and hit me again as I think about this message this morning. She tells Mordecai, she's going to the king, and she says, if I perish, I perish. She was not afraid, or she might have been fearful, but she was willing to die to obey. You guys, we are so right now focused on trying how not to die and to live in every single sphere because we're so afraid of death. And Esther was saying, if I perish, I perish. Paul says, we die so that you may live. Can I challenge you this morning that our mindset should not be, I got to do everything I can to live, but instead it should be, Lord, I give you, I die to myself and my life that your name be made great. Are you I don't know if you're tracking with me this morning. Are you following that way of thinking? I mean, right now our culture is so bent upon, we're so afraid of everything and we're so striving to protect and save and preserve. And the message of the scripture is to die to yourself and live your life for God. We should be much more concerned about living than being afraid of dying. You let the Lord kind of pound that in your heart the way it needs to be this morning, all right? Again, Paul says, death is working through us, but life in you. Let's look at that last section this morning. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. It is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. And then this really good verse, all this is for your benefit, so the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is the way it should work, and I think it's the way it's working here in our own congregation. Paul and his fellow laborers to the people who will be changed, who will then reach other people who will be changed, so that thanksgiving will overflow to God's glory. This is how the treasure works, right? So somebody down in Cesar, Illinois, told Wallace Malone about Jesus. And Wallace Malone, in his 40s, gave his heart and life, and he was a coal miner, and he was an electrician for McDonnell Douglas. He was an electrician at a water plant in Decatur, and he worked that job all the time, but then he was pastoring a church in Decatur, Illinois. Well, he had five children, 
And one of his uh, kids was a beautiful girl. Her name was Janice Kay. And she was really pretty in high school. And there was this young man named Lee Allen Penn, who was a mess, not good at school, not good at grades, but pretty good at football, not even knowing, following Jesus in any way whatsoever, but he liked the pretty girl. And so in order to get the pretty girl, he went to church to try to impress Wallace Malone so he could end up with the pretty girl. And he pulled a fast one on Grandpa Malone pretty good enough that they got married, even though my dad had not really come to Christ. But in a revival not too much longer after that, my dad repented of his sins and received Jesus and he was forever transformed. And then that dad of mine, I have three brother, two brothers, three of us, and we, he would have devotions every day with us where we'd pray and read the Bible after dinner every day. And he ended up with three preachers. My dad's an electrician. <laughs> the grace of God that appeared to Wallace Malone that also was transferred down to Kay Malone that was then transferred over to Lee Penn that was then transferred over to Travis and Corey and Tyler is abounding that Thanksgiving would overflow. Praise the Lord. You guys, that's what it should be for all of our stories, right? And I'm trying my best to pass that into my kids and in my school relationships and in my church family so that that grace will grow and grow and grow to the thanksgiving of God. Today, again, be encouraged. You know, the way that really shows itself is that when other people see that you're clay, but they see the treasure inside of you instead of you, then all of a sudden they're interested, right? If you've got it all together, uh, well, what are you doing? That's not so much. But if they can see that you're a mess and yet you still have joy, then they want to know what the treasure is inside, okay? All right, do not lose heart, Paul says. Look on down there, if you would, in verse um, 16, I believe. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, so we don't lose heart. We faint not. Are we tired? Yes. <laughs> right? You think Paul was tired? He was exhausted <laughs> trying to serve the Lord, right? Are we stressed out? Well, we're stressed, but we're not crushed, right? Are we suffering? Yes. Will we lose heart? No. There was resolve in Paul's heart that even though all these other things were happening, he was not losing heart because God was at work through him and through his fellow believers. Outwardly, they're wasting away. Their bodies are decaying. Amen? We know that, right? Yet inwardly, what did he say? We're not just getting by, but we are renewed day by day day. We are strengthened and growing in strength each day. Renewal is available to us if we put our trust in the Lord. Are you being renewed? And here's what it hits me. He says, these afflictions are light and momentary. <laughs> I'm thinking if I'm getting whipped 39 times with a whip over my back, ripping my skin off, I'm not going to call that light or momentary. If I'm out shipwrecked, 
hanging on a piece of old boat wood trying to float my way and with the sharks and no food and salt water for days on end. I'm not thinking light and momentary, right? And if I'm going to church after church and I'm seeing some churches thrive and other ones are just struggling and people that I've invested so much time and energy in and tried to develop and they forsake the Lord, I'm not thinking light and momentary. That's tough, isn't it? But Paul says in the big, big picture, these things are so small. Can I, can I say, I hate to even say this word this morning, but COVID is this big in the big picture. Amen? Right? It's light and it's momentary. Cancer, it is light and momentary. Diabetes, it is light and momentary. Any mental health issue you want to share, it is light and momentary in the big picture of God's plan of salvation. And so we fix our eyes on what? Jesus, on what we can't see. Isn't that crazy? Fix your eyes on the invisible. See the unseen is what Paul says. Because what you can see, Paul says, is temporary. That house, it's nice, but it's temporary. That food, we know the food is really temporary, right? <laughs> Even our relationships to some extent, right? And we can treasure them for times and the periods that we have them. But to a lot of extent, those things are temporary other than the eternal ones created through the church. Fix your eyes on the unseen. This is incredible faith. Cancer momentary, diabetes momentary, persecution even momentary, grief of all things is momentary if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So my challenge to you this morning is pretty simple. Can you see the unseen or are you being overwhelmed by the temporary? Here's what I wanna end with this morning, this, this phrase and then an illustration today. Let heaven become real to you today. I think for most of us, heaven is not real. Heaven is some picture of angels flying around with harps and sitting on clouds. <laughs> That's not heaven. Heaven is no sin. It is no grief. It is no shame. It is no death. It is a remade body that is heaven today. And we don't talk about it and think about it near enough. If Brother Rick said when he turns uh, 62, he was going to get $4 billion, do you think he would ever talk about that, Vicki? He would probably talk about it every day, wouldn't he? I only got two years until I'm going to get $4 billion. I only got 532 days, and I'm going to get $4 billion. Right? He could not not think about that. Amen? Heaven is so much more than $4 billion. And it's for those who trust the Lord, it's awaiting them. And yet, how often do we talk about it? I'm going to go on vacation here. I'm going to go fishing here. I'm going to go watch the show or the races over here. I can't wait to go see my grandkids here. Those are all good things. But they don't even compare to being in the presence of the Lord. And what's in store for those who know him? You guys, we should be talking about heaven with each other. What do you think it's going to be like? Even this morning, I was telling Ray one of my most famous sermon titles 
was will there be ESPN and German shepherds in heaven? <laughs> right? They were having the discussion, will there be dogs in heaven? Let's talk about heaven. Let it become real. For some of us, it becomes more real when the people that we love are there. Amen? My friend Uncle Tim is there. And one, that was the first time in my life that I think I was almost a little bit more ready to get to heaven than I was just to sit here because I know him and love him and I can't wait to be with him around Jesus' feet because he served Jesus with all he had. And I want to see Jesus and Uncle Tim talk together. We need to get our mind there. We need to let our heart wander there more often. People will say, well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. No, if you were heavenly minded, you'd be incredibly good on this earth, Amen. We need to encourage each other in that. And again, today, I just want to encourage you that you're a jar of clay. Let the treasure of God shine through you. Philip Yancey gives a story about this idea of jars of clay. He was a professor at a seminary. He says, I have a bright and talented and very funny friend in Seattle named Carolyn Martin. But Carolyn has cerebral palsy, and it is the peculiar tragedy of her condition that it's outward signs like drooling and floppy arm movements and inarticulate speech and a bobbing head cause people who meet her to wonder if she is mentally retarded is the old word we would use. Actually, her mind is the one part of her that works perfectly. It is muscular control that she lacks. Everybody on campus knew Carolyn as the disabled person. They would see her sitting in a wheelchair, hunched over, painstakingly typing out notes on a device called a Canon communicator. Few felt comfortable talking with her. They could not follow her jumbled sounds, but Carolyn persevered, stretching out a two-year Associates of Arts degree over seven years. Next, she enrolled in a Lutheran college to study the Bible, and after two years there, she was asked to speak to her fellow students in chapel. Carolyn worked many hours on her address, her speech, She typed out the final draft at an average speed of 45 minutes a page and asked her friend Josie to read it for her. And Josie had a strong, clear voice. On the day at the chapel service, Carolyn sat slumped in her wheelchair on the left side of the platform. And at times her arms jerked uncontrollably, her head lolled to one side so that it almost touched her shoulder and a stream of saliva sometimes ran down her blouse. Beside her stood Josie, who read the mature and graceful prose that Carolyn had composed, centered around this Bible text. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And for the first time, some students saw Carolyn as a complete human being like themselves. And before there Before then, her mind, a very good mind, had always been inhibited by a disobedient body, and difficulties with speech had masked her intelligence. But hearing her address read aloud as they looked at her on stage, the students could see past the body in a wheelchair and imagine a whole person. Carolyn told me about that day in her halting speech, and I could only understand about half the words, but the scene she described became for me a parable of transposition a perfect mind locked inside a spastic, uncontrolled body and vocal cords that fail at every second syllable. The New Testament image of Christ as head of the body took on a new meaning as I gained a sense of both the humiliation that Christ undergoes in his role as head and also the exaltation that he allows us, the members of his body. Did you catch that? 
Her mind was great, but her body was a wreck. We are the church. Jesus is the head. The mind is perfect. (laughs) But the body? Well, for Jesus, that's humiliation. But for us, it's exaltation. And the important thing I want you to see here today is that Carolyn recognized that God could work his power and his glory in a jar of clay. And today, whatever your clayness is, I want to tell you, God can use it too to make his name great. Be encouraged in that, all right? Let's stand this morning. We'll ask Diane if she would to come play for us today.